podcast. My name is Steve Miller, and I am here with my co-worker and colleague, Zachary Waugh. We thank you for tuning in this afternoon and, uh, and for taking the time to find us out there on the internet. If you want to share this information, if you want to pass along to family or friends or someone who you think might uh, benefit from this podcast, uh, please look for us on Spotify, on uh, Google Podcasts, and on Apple Podcasts. So, uh, so watch for more there. We hope to bring you new content each and every week. So, Zachary, how are you today? I am doing great. And if you would, if you like our podcast, if you find it beneficial, if you would go ahead and subscribe to that, and then maybe uh, consider reviewing it or rating it uh, and helping us get the word out uh, that we have started this podcast. And uh, that'd be a huge help. And I know that Steve and I would both really appreciate that. Well, last week, if you missed our episode, it is on all uh, three of our platforms and you could go back and watch it it's just labeled an introduction because it talks about just what we hope that you get out of the podcast and some of the reasons why we wanted to start the podcast in the first place so this week we're going to start a podcast series if you will i don't know what you could title it maybe something like faith building or something or walking our way through uh birth to graduation. Steve, do you have a better name? Just that faith formation. I don't know if that's better, but that's kind of the mindset, the things that you and I talk about, just forming that faith um, in our families, but specifically in our children. And, and as you alluded to, uh, this is something we may spread out over a few episodes, maybe break it down a little bit, I yeah. think is the plan. Yeah. So today, what we want to do is really tackle that preschool, pre-K and down. Uh, so, you know, very early faith formation. Uh, and Steve has probably a lot more insight on this uh, on this age group than I will. Steve is in charge of our children's ministry here at our church, and he uh, helps with all the curriculum and knows what they're learning, uh, and he'll be a huge benefit to you listening. So as we, as we start this faith building in this very young age of life, Steve, why don't you tell me maybe your background as far as you at that age and then your kids at that age and what you did to try to build that faith at home, what worked, what didn't work, things like that. Yeah. Well, first off saying I, I have more knowledge or a lot more to give, <laughs> maybe setting me up to uh, trip and fall on my face a bit, but, but yeah, so uh, my upbringing, Zachary and I each uh, talked a little bit about uh, our past and our current uh positions and things in the last podcast, but, uh, I was 14 before my family, um, was active in a church. Uh, my parents were, um, both raised in different denominations, um, both believed in God, but we weren't necessarily real active in a church. Um, my kids now have, uh, you know, my wife and I met at a Christian college and, uh, church and church work prior to, um, actually, working for the congregation that I do now, I didn't work in ministry. So, uh, but in my professional life, my wife and I always made it because we had kids kind of children's ministry. That type was what we did. That's what we wanted to take part in. Um, but going back to, you know, my childhood or my development, as far as faith goes again, faithful parents, but, but maybe a different, um, example. Um, I remember at that Christian college that my wife and I, uh, attended, 
uh, being 17, probably taking an entrance test that would determine which Bible classes you got to take. Like they give you kind of an overview. What do you know? And like I said, I was 14 before we were real active in a church. So there, I knew a lot of Bible stories and I knew a lot of things, but there's a lot of stories in there that I had no clue. I remember going through that test and just being like, I don't know these names. Yeah. Man, I don't remember this from the one VBS I'd go to every few years right. or that type of thing. Right. <laughs> um, but I had a, a revelation really, I don't know, 10 years later as my older two kids were probably in preschool. They could have taken that same test that I had taken years before at 17 and answered so many more of the questions because of what my wife was doing at home and what I tried to do at home. But like I said, my wife's probably the superstar of those things. But just having that from birth, um, and, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, as Zachary said, we work on curriculum. He does it for youth. I do it for, for our younger kids. Uh, we do some things for families. And it's really about, we talk about formative years in life. And different stages of life are always kind of formative years. There's always things that you're doing. Um, but really, when you get down to it and you look at some of the numbers and some of the studies, that zero, I mean, really from infant to age eight, it's not just your most formative physically, because obviously it's the fastest growth rates that you're going to experience. Right. Um, but in cognitive, intellectual development, in social development, those years, and emotional development. And when we're talking intellectual, social, and emotional development happening in those, happening in those years, if we say, oh, well, they're just a little young to do too much church stuff. We're leaving a hole. We're leaving a void that's going to get filled Absolutely. with something else. It might yeah. get filled with uh, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or you right. know, uh, great things, great learning. Yeah. Uh, but we're missing a great opportunity to really teach and instill some things. Um, and that's what Zachary and I hope to, to address a little bit today. Maybe give you some ideas. Maybe point you in some direction. Um, maybe just reinforce the direction that you're already headed in. And, and that's awesome. But it comes down to that that. Uh, Proverbs 22 and, and 6, train up a child. And we're going to hopefully give you a little bit of help today on uh, how do we do that with our youngest children. Right, exactly. Because Proverbs think not, they're not a sure thing, but it's a high probability. So they don't equal promise, they equal probability. And most of the time, if you train up a child in the way they should go, most of the time, you're going to find success in that. And we talked a little bit last week. It doesn't mean that I as an adult, Zachary as an adult, Zachary as a husband, myself as a husband, as a parent, we won't make mistakes. We won't do things right. wrong. Our kids are going to, they're in the same boat. Yeah. They may fall short. But if we can use these formative years, these early years to instill a base that, again, maybe maybe the four-year-olds could do better on that uh, college test than I did. Um that's when they have that knowledge that they can come back to when yeah. they do yeah. hit those trials and tribulations and hard times. Right, for sure. And you talked a little bit about the physical and the uh, the emotional, the biological. One of the first things you do with a newborn baby is what you're supposed to like touch, right? It's right. the physical aspect of holding them near to your, that's so important. It's that staple picture of the mom exactly. holding the baby against her chest you know, exactly. shortly after birth. Right. And like you said, I think some of the times we just leave out that spiritual nurturing 
that we really need young in our lives Absolutely. at the very first of our lives. So a little bit, little bit about me growing up. I grew up in um, in a household that was very religious in going to church, if you will. So Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Sunday Bible class, we were there. Uh, we very rarely, if ever, that I can remember, missed any sort of church activity. I'm not sure exactly uh, why that is. I think it's part of my family's family business is a bunch of preachers and ministers of sorts. So it kind of runs in the family to be very active in the church. And that it, it did a great job of helping form uh, some sort of faith young, early in my life. I remember being at home and we would always, every night we would do some sort of devotional or parents would talk about it somehow. They would always ask us about our Bible class from the very earliest of ages. But still, I still, my parents, they'll tell us today, man, we wish we would have done so much better with y'all. We wish we would have read more of the Bible and not so much strictly devotional. We wish we would have done this and that. And like you said, I don't think any parent ever walks through life and says, you know what? I did it. I'm the expert. I'm going to go write a book about it now because I know what I'm doing. Everyone makes mistakes, but how do we start? How do we plant that seed? How do we show the youngest of kids that faith is most important in our lives and that following God, as we read last week in Deuteronomy 6, with all of our heart and soul and mind, how, is, how do we show that that is most important in our lives? I, let me just tell this quick story real quick. Um, my brother, little brother Tyler, he is a senior in high school. And we used to watch a show on Disney called Corey in the House. Absolutely. Yeah, a great show, yeah, right? Yeah, I got so, uh, nieces and nephews that were all about Corey yeah, in the House. exactly. Corey in the, Corey in the House, for those of you who don't know, if you watched That's So Raven, it's the same guy. I think his real name is Kyle Massey. That sounds familiar. But he's in the White House now. There is Madison Pettis is an actress in that as well. And we were leaving church. I still remember where we were parked there at the Tipton Church where I grew up. And we were leaving church, and my brother Tyler comes into the car, and he says a slang word that Corey says in that show that was not allowed in our household. And my mom just turns around and snaps, and like, where did you hear that? Where did you hear that? And he said the show, and then she said the words that none of us other three siblings wanted to hear. She was like, well, no more of that show in our house. And I tell you that story to say this, what you see you do, especially at this age. So there's one aspect of, okay, we need to teach them, but there's a whole nother aspect, especially when they're young, showing them. And if you show them, they're going to follow it, whether it's right or wrong, they follow it because that's the age group that they're at. So as you and I talked about some of this stuff, and I'm going to backtrack just a second before I go on with my Next story. Uh, if you found us, you you may know Zachary or myself. You may know some of Zachary's family. But part of what we want to bring you is some encouragement. And just hearing Zachary talk about um, what his parents did and and the the desire to wish they'd done even more, um, it's encouraging to me because I know the quality of person that Zachary is. And when I hear that his childhood had 
some of the things that my wife and I are trying to put into our kids' childhood, it gives me a little bit of hope. It almost gives me a little bit more energy to say, okay, yeah, now let's dig into that other thing because, because uh, again, uh, the you don't get uh, much more quality people than than those four kids that the Waz raised. So, um, so that's what we hope to bring you guys with this as well. But going back to what Zachary said, uh, uh, as I've said before, my wife is a teacher. I work in children's ministry. We have four children. And children of any age, but especially in these early years, they're a sponge. There was, Zachary, you may be too young to remember, there's a country song. Um, and essentially, the dad's telling a story of his four-year-old says a word that he shouldn't, shouldn't have said, shouldn't even know. And he asks him where he learned that word. And the son in the chorus of the song is, I've been watching you, dad. Mm. And so dad goes home, beats himself up a little bit for that comes back into the house, it's bedtime, and his son is saying a prayer before bed. And dad says, where'd you learn to pray like that? And then it's the same chorus. I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? Um, That mentality is huge because we can teach and we can show and we can do all these things, but really how we carry ourselves, they're going to soak up at an early age. So, so when they see us and hear us in prayer, even even before they know what prayer is, when they see that that's a constant, when they see or hear daily that we're praying together, um, I think that's a huge thing. Um, and really, as we go down maybe a list of things as we talk, all of these things it comes down to not just what we're reading them or not just how we're reading it to them, because I'm going to talk about that a little bit too, but just the fact of that we're doing it with them right. is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up, I don't think it's ever, there's no such thing as being too young to hear stories in the Bible. I still remember the picture of the very first Bible I had, one of those big old picture Bibles. And just the stories, you start with creation and you would move to the flood, you would skip most of like Joshua judges, we don't need to go there yet. A little yet. R-rated at yeah. that time. And then we go to Jesus, and we go to Jonah, and we go to David and Goliath, you know, whatever. Those aren't in order, but you get the point. You hit the highlights, and I still remember as a young kid, I mean, those stories were so cool. The VBS, everything, just at such a young age. And, and like you said, I just, there's never, it's never too young to start introducing scientifically we've accepted that like even children in the womb sing to them read to them um right when people maybe maybe they're reading the odyssey or the iliad or some you (laughs) know crazy works of literature to build that soon to be harvard alum but i mean how important is it even in that time period to be reading scripture to be telling stories and and there are great you know another thing i had down there are great resources in in children's bibles in stuff that's written for toddlers now it may be a little it's got pictures it's got different things it's not the bible right but it is taken from the text and put in by professionals people who do this stuff for a living into Mm -hmm. a format that will stick with that age a little bit more so um you know if you're not um, incorporating a children's Bible or a children's Bible storybook or even graphic novels they do on Bible stories now. Mm-hmm. 
um, into some form of kind of your daily reading with your kids. Uh, maybe they do reading for school. Uh, what an accelerated reader, if that's still around, I don't know. It was for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you can incorporate even some, there's there's read to learn books based on Bible stories. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's a that's a huge asset as well. Right. Uh, read the stories. Uh, dig into those stories. They're so they're so beautiful, and they they really firm. They really form a firm foundation from a very, very young age. Those stories are so foundational. You think to your faith today, creation, Jesus being born, him dying, him rising. I mean, those the story of Noah, those are stories we come back to even as adults. And we see it from a whole new light. Back then, we just thought, oh, the animals on a boat with water, rainbow. That's awesome. Really cool. Exactly. But now we look back on it and say, wow, like they were the only ones that survived that. Look at the obedience that they showed. Exactly. I mean, it's stuff we don't even think about. They had never seen rain before, and they're building this large ark. You know, that's just crazy to think about. So, Steve, tell me, what does pre-K and down... As far as church curriculum and what's taught in Bible classes, if, if you could just kind of tell us, what are the, some of the first things that get taught? So the the biggest thing I would say in those early years, because really we're even talking toddlers today. Right. You know, we'll get right. into early elementary and elementary school maybe in our next episode. Yeah. Um, if you think about curriculums, if you think about even in in secular school at that age, kids that are doing preschool and things like that. Uh, a lot of it comes down to song, how much we teach our children with song. Right. Yeah. And, uh, right. and it, it's no different in the church and it shouldn't be any different in your home. Um, you know, we have, there's three-year-olds who can tell you every book in the new Testament mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily know that they can tell you that. Right. But when they sing that New Testament song and they start out and they sing every word, they're giving you the whole New Testament in order. Yeah. Or, you know, we do great activity songs with the fruits of the Spirit. Yep. Yep. You know, the fruit of the Spirit's not an apple, but then we say it's love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, and we right. work all the way through it. And, and those things are things that they're going to come back to. There's another aspect of it. Uh, again, in your Bible classes at church, if you're someone who helps with that, if uh, or if you're working on this with your own kids uh, at home, we use um, words, and you know we reward children, and we um, great job, buddy, you did awesome on that. That's awesome. That's positive reinforcement. But when we can say, "Great job, buddy, you showed so much patience." by waiting your turn or sweetie you did awesome you were so gracious when you shared that toy when we can put biblical concepts that really can be summed up in words right into that positive reinforcement um taking the time uh, as parents do an awesome job again of of talking to their kids in a positive way but when we can even make sure we're getting biblical ideals um, into that kind of thing. Uh, Something else that's huge. If you're like me, I know this is one, when I'm telling my kids a story um, or reading a book, you know, if it's a Paddington bear, if it's a good night moon, as a parent, you read those things and you tell those stories so often that you 
take some liberties and you kind of get into it and you can make it more dramatic and you yeah, change the words. Sure. My wife, I'll never forget the way she changes her voice. Like when she's reading even a Matilda book, you know, with one of our old, yeah. little bit older kids or something for each person has a little bit different voice and, and, um, it's told with excitement. Um, we've got to do the same thing when we're telling our young children, um, these biblical stories and these biblical ideas, do it with some excitement, do it, uh, with some fun, you know? Um, and it goes back to some of those things that were put together. Um, the modeling that the seeing an example, uh, is something we try to do with our young kids curriculum. And, and as we've already talked about is huge at home, uh, as well as, you know, we encourage memory verses and things, even with our younger kids, not necessarily that they're going to be able to come into class and, and recite the verse, but scientifically you hear it takes 28 days to make a habit or whatever. Right. But you break that down even more five minutes a day of consistently doing something will make that something that happens every day. So if you're reading the scriptures as a habit, if you're going through a memory verse with even your kids who don't read yet, um, taking that five minutes a day, uh, is a huge asset I think too. And that's why sometimes we'll have parents say, well, why does a, Four-year-old get a memory verse. Well, you know, it, it's the same type of thing. It goes back to what um, we're doing. So that's some of the things we do um, in our classes with with the youngest uh, of our church members. And it's all things that can and maybe should be done at home. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you talked about the memory verses. My mom tells me that my very first verse that I ever learned, I'm not sure how old I was, I was, I believe she was teaching at church, and I was in her class, my mom's class in Bible class, and it was 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which in her version said, pray without stopping. And I would always say, pray out topping. Nice. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how old I was, but just, that's three words, pray without stopping. And what a powerful reminder that is, even in just three words words. So I think it's great to start memorizing scripture as a young kid. I told Taylor one of my New Year's resolutions was to memorize more scripture. I kind of gotten away from it. You kind of just pick up memory. You know, the more you read it, the easier it comes to you. But I wanted to actually specifically once a week memorize a verse, a passage or something. So that's something we've, we're on our second verse this week or whatever. We're trying to pick that up and continue that because there's such there's such a benefit to doing so, even at a young age. I had just a couple things that I was going to say as far as building faith with very young children. And one of those that I had on there was simply to pray. Pray to them and with them. But I think there's also benefit to letting them pray as well. You know, seeing that super young kid pray and hearing them pray, if we ever get the opportunity in class or something, if someone young prays, isn't that just one of the most beautiful things? It's awesome. It's so cool because, one, you never know what they're going to say, and that's a neat aspect of it. But, two, it's just so innocent, and it's so pure in a way that they're just talking. Without all these barriers around them, they just talk. 
So I had pray, I had read stories. We talked about our children's Bible. The children's Bibles are primarily filled with just stories of the Bible. They're not going to be talking about the prophecies or they're not going to be talking about, uh, you know, war or something like that or something violent or Proverbs or something like that or Revelation, but rather read the stories. And then I had one more thing that I wanted to bring up was do church activities as a family, as a family. I think it's one thing to, you know, you drop your kid off at a church event or something and and then they come home and you say, well, how was it? What did you learn? But it's another thing if you're there with them in some way. If not only do us or your kids go and do these church activities, but you're doing these church activities as well. We're doing some sort of church activity all together. And the kids, they look up to anyone older than them. And like Steve said, they're a sponge. But when their parents When they see their parents doing that, those are their heroes, right? Those are the people above all else they want to be in their life at this age. They are amazing. Something else I had down that goes right to that. Kids at this age, parents, mom and dad are the center of their universe. And it's important at this age for mom and dad to show that God is the center of mom and dad's universe, right? Because they are, they are so in tune and tapped into what's going on um, with mom and dad. So when you, when things are going on, even, even above their head, you know, maybe above the level that they're at. But when, when you have that example, when something's going on and, or we say a prayer and afterwards we're talking about, well, we say prayers because God helps us or, or we do these things because Jesus loves us. Just showing that, um, modeling that Christ-centered life. Uh, and and to your point, I think you said it was important for your parents and they did with you. You know, we're of the mindset. We try very hard. If, if the doors are open at church, if there's something going on, um, we try and be there. And some of it's a little, if I'm being 100% honest, it's a little self-serving. It's a little selfish because... We want our kids to see other people and we don't want to be the other, the only teachers. We want our kids to, to learn from maybe that other gentleman at church or, or, um, our congregation here has a sewing ministry that, that my oldest, when she was, you know, 10, 11, 12, I mean, she, that's all she wanted those sewing Saturdays. She wanted to be up here with those ladies from church and, and, and it's the same or maybe even more so with our younger kids. They want to be around. They're very social. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the bottom lines in this podcast today when we're talking about faith building at the very youngest of ages is to always be doing something. In hindsight, it may not be the perfect thing that you could be doing, but you're doing something. You're planting that seed and you allow God to do The littlest things. We talked about uh, Deuteronomy 6 last week. Um as you drive, as you walk along, I can remember, and, and Zachary and I both take part in camps and, you know, you do those things where you're walking around camp and you're talking about and looking at things that God created. Well, you literally have a captive audience when your toddler's strapped in the car and you're, or strapped in the stroller and you're walking. 
Um, you know, yeah. talk about everything around us that God created as you do those things. Yeah. Um, you know, what does the Bible say? When were those trees made? When were the, you know, we have right. days of creation yep. songs that we sing coming back. And I can't say enough about um, songs and none of nothing that Zachary and I are saying today is, is revolutionary or earth shattering or it, some, something new. Um, it's, it's really bringing it back down to a basic thing. And, and with these youngest kids, just activity and song, um, around faith, around God's word and the Bible are, are huge. And we, and we touched on building by example, um, the, the things that we do and the things that we say they're going to pick up on. So, so we have to take a little extra time to make sure that, that we're grounded and centered in faith when we're having that. I did, you brought up one thing in there um, about the, I think you said children's, the children's Bibles being more generic, if you will. It doesn't get into a lot of the um, debatable things. Exactly. And to be honest, young adults today in 2021, they're not necessarily struggling with those things either. It's, does God exist? Exactly. Can there be a God in a pandemic? In right. A, in you know, political matters that seem to be taking over uh, everyone's thought and everyone's time. So, so those stories. How do I say? We sometimes gloss over those things as well. It's kid stuff, and and but if we can form that mindset of God is there in the trials. God is there in the triumphs at the youngest age. Um, It will serve the, the, you know, the early twenties guy that right now is wondering how does God fit into what's going on in 2021? Right. Yeah. It's that it's those foundations and building those faith foundations from a very, very early age. Well, Steve, is there anything else that you wanted to highlight I just wanted to touch on the fact that, um, you know, if you found us today and are listening to this and, and if you're looking to to build that faith in your kids, starting with um, even the youngest of your children, um, you're not alone. I want to encourage you to um, not just listen to what Zachary and I say, not just try a few things we may have thrown out that you might not have been doing. Um, there's all kinds of other resources. I mean... I'm not on there, but I'm, I'm sure Pinterest, um, you can find all kinds of children's ministry, toddler type things, you know, dig into that a little bit, find what fit works for your family and your schedule. I did a Google search and I typed in building your child's faith and you know how it has the little, how many results in time, yeah. uh, Google, just building your child's faith. That's all I typed in had about 34 million results in less than one second. So there are all (laughs) kinds of things out there and probably uh, a lot smarter and more effective things maybe than I've thrown out today, but it's not rocket science. You are the center of your pre-K child's life and you want to show them that God is the center of yours and whatever ways you can do that, uh, that match up with what you're doing educationally in the home, that match up what may be going on developmentally at school. However that works, that's that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. God's first, and we hope to show that 
within our marriages, within our families, in anywhere that we possibly are. Well, we're so glad that you tuned in today to hear our second episode in this Family Faith in the Village podcast. We hope that you'll tune in next Thursday afternoon as we continue this faith-building series. We'll continue working our way up in age and next week talking a little bit more specifically about elementary age students and how to build their faith in that group. We thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.